Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Well, hello there, and welcome to another Mission Unstoppable. I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. You know, today we are going on one of my favorite missions, one that includes social consciousness, activism, education, nonprofits, and, of course, philanthropy. Brent Feinberg and Kim Normand are joining me today, and Brent is a best-selling South African author of the series Freeing Freddy, the Dreamweaver, a book that encourages children to examine their own fears and dreams and goals for life. And aside from being a best-selling author, Brent is also an energy healer. He's an integrative healer and practitioner in consciousness-based healthcare. He began his training at the young age of 13, and he's now a triple Reiki master, body talk practitioner, yoga teacher, and well-known speaker. Now, Brent's passions lie in empowering children and youth to live healthy, fulfilled lives and to make positive changes in the world. That's a really beautiful goal. Uh, his mom, Kim, yes, she is an immensely talented co-author of Freeing Freddy's, A Guide to Realizing Your Dreams, uh, the workbook, and Freeing Freddy's Ultimate Activity Book. Kim is also the author of three other thought-provoking books, Raising Wisdom, Tomorrow, and A Mother's Legacy. Prominent in the nonprofit world for over three decades, Kim has been a part of many successful ventures and organizations, including Survivors of the Show of Visual History Foundation, which was established by Steven Spielberg. She's also the founding director of the Apartheid Museum. She sits on the Board of Human Rights Commission for Education. She was the founder and CEO of the Tolerance Foundation. She is a fellow of Ashoka, the world's leading network of social entrepreneurs. She's also studied at Harvard Kennedy School of International Studies. She is the founder and executive director of Tomorrow Trust, which supports orphaned and vulnerable children and youth with education. And she also appears frequently on TED Talks. Now, I have to say, it's hard to believe she's done all that because she looks like she's about 20 years old. But she is, and she has, and Brent has as well. And today they're talking to us from Atlanta, Georgia. So welcome, both of you. Thank you so much. Hi, Frankie. Thanks for having us on the show today. I am really excited to have you. And I, I, we are going to talk about your book, so don't worry. But this is Unstoppable, and I like to know how people got to become unstoppable and how they grew up. So let's, let's start with Kim for a moment. Kim, what was your family life growing up? Where did you grow up? So I was born and raised in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, came from a very difficult childhood, very traumatic, a lot of death and dying and separation and everything. Oh, and so- I really believe that that set the stage for all the work that I did in my adult life. Mm-hmm. You know, I do believe that you have certain characteristics and personalities as a child. And then once that's nurtured and developed, it definitely sets a foundation for who you're going to be or want to be. And so making a difference and giving support to other children that I didn't have was definitely a priority 
in my life. Mm-hmm. And it, it, like justice and, and wanting an equality, that seems like, like things that um, are really important to you. And definitely for me, potentiality is a mm-hmm. big and you cannot, yeah. you, you cannot reach your potential if you don't have the other aspects around you. And That's, so, yeah, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Reaching potential, your potential is really a big one for me. And self-consciousness and self-awareness is the base of that. And that has always been very important to me. So my own self-growth is very important in order for me to be able to share more and do more in the world around us. So how old were you when you, you know, consciously thought, I'm going to change things? You know, it really was a journey for me. I was in the arts, so I did dancing and acting. I was on a scholarship at Lee Strasberg in L.A. for three and a half years. Oh, wow. And then my life changed when I had my daughter, who's now 30. And when she was born, I decided I wanted to be more of a stay-at-home mom because I never had that growing up. And then, as you say, you know, man plans and God laughs. He had yeah. a plan. He had a totally different plan for me. And by the time Brent was born, and he's 27, my life had definitely taken on a different direction. Um, the big milestone was Schindler's List for me. I walked out of there and I thought, this cannot be the world that I bring my children up into. Mm-hmm. And if I want the world to be at a better place, I need to take responsibility and join and help make that a better place. And then one thing simply led to the other. It wasn't a long-term vision or goal. It was as I did one thing, the door opened and I walked through the next door and then the next door. And slowly but surely, you know, 27 years later, I've been involved in all of what you have just stated. It's amazing all the things you've been involved with. And Brent, you know, what was it like for you to grow up with a mom who was so involved in helping others and changing the world, making it a better place? When did you become aware of what she did? I think in my early 20s, so not too long ago, I started realizing that my upbringing was quite different from yeah. my surrounding peers, being exposed to incredible people, having met men like Nelson Mandela and many apartheid activists that that helped change South Africa to a place of more equality mm-hmm. and being exposed to Holocaust survivors and just the thought process that we as people are all equal, equally beautiful and special, and that we all have a role to play in this world. It's a contributory society and we can't be bystanders. We need to be active in in creating the world that we want. And I saw this firsthand and especially in my mom's latest project, the Tomorrow Trust, mm-hmm. I always thought to myself, how can I get involved? What more can I do both for the foundation and for my surrounding society as a whole? And out of that was born the the book and the whole creation of With Love from Freddie and Freeing Freddie as we have it today. I love that. You know, Kim, our our children are about the same ages and you know, my my I see them get involved in in activities where they volunteer in charities and different things like that. And and I said, you know, like, why are you doing this? And they said, well, we saw you do it. And I think it really does help to be a model 
for your children. And, and you, you show that really well, um, Brent, in, in Freeing Freddie, I think. Uh, before we get to Freeing Freddie, though, um, I want to talk about Tomorrow's Trust because it is a phenomenal organization. And I was just so blown away. And I want people to go to www.tomorrow.org.za because the video itself is, is like, mind-blowing. What you know, this holistic approach to education, to helping children from not just giving them, you know, the tools and and the schooling, but the meals and the transportation and all the things that they need in order to be and, and, you know, the writing materials and maybe they don't have paper, you know, to become successful beyond what they even dream because really they didn't even know what existed. So they couldn't they had very limiting dreams. Until you open those, you know, their eyes and the doors for them. Phenomenal. Thank you, Frankie. And just to add to what you were saying about being a role model, you know, a few years ago, not so long ago, about four years ago, Brent turned around to me and he said, I want you to know, I didn't listen to one thing you told me when I was growing up. (laughs) And And then he paused and he looked me in the eye and he said to me, aren't you pleased you lived it right? Yeah. Yeah was probably the most profound thing that any child can tell a parent. And I looked at him back and I said, aren't you pleased I lived it right? Yeah. Um, because kids are, they're watching every little thing, the, the nonverbal, the verbal, the actions, everything that you do. Yep. And so it's so important in order to role model, as you say, even though I wasn't doing it for that specific reason. It's not conscious. It's not conscious. But when parents do the right thing, children, they, they learn. Yes. You know, they learn from, from your kids. Right. Yeah. It's I amazing. Have, I think we have a responsibility as parents to do better ourselves each day to learn more because then you've got more to share and give. And that was, you know, Tomorrow Trust as well. My children, both of them, Jade and Brent, have always been involved with everything that I've done. Mm -hmm. So as Brent says, you know, um, they were meeting, you know, activists, apartheid activists, whether it be Nelson Mandela or Steve Biko's son, Kosinati Biko, or Holocaust survivors or orphan and vulnerable children. They've been very much part of my world because it was just a natural way of being. It wasn't work one side and then on the other side. So, did, yeah. I, I want did did you come from a Jewish background? Yes, we are Jewish. Yeah, so am I. And and so I think that you know, and I don't know what it was like in South Africa for the Jews. I'm sorry, I don't know. But you know, I, I know what it was like for the blacks, and I know what it was like for the blacks in America. I was. Um, I was about 14, 15. I think my parents, uh, my dad got transferred to Louisville, Kentucky. And I attended high school the very first year of desegregation. So they, they bust load these poor, you know, black kids into a very rich white neighborhood school, <laughs> which I think I, I felt so sorry for these kids. But it was the first year. And I came from Canada and I had no idea about racism. It didn't really exist here. But it sure did exist in the South. And, and you know, we're going to go to a commercial break in less than a minute. But I, I guess I, I want to know what it was like for for the Jews in South Africa. You know, is 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 that one reason that, you know, you felt uh, an affinity for apartheid to, to do something and, and to make changes? Or did it have nothing to do with it? Um, who knows? I don't know. You, you can start. We can start for a second and, and see where we go. 
So, Frankie, your points are very appropriate. You know, I was brought up in an apartheid South Africa, which my children didn't know. So I was brought out very much in the segregation side of it, where it was a law. Whereas now the kids are not brought up with that at all. They don't know what race means. And that's a wonderful thing for that. We're going to go to commercial break, Kim. I'm sorry to stop you. Uh, When we come back, it's a great place to come back. What does race mean? And we are listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. My guests today are Kim Norman, her son, Brent Feinberg. Be right back. Stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. are some tips from the popular UK internet site BuzzFeed to help make your life a little more fun. Next time you catch a cold, try adding a touch of magic by holding a handful of glitter in front of your mouth just before you sneeze. By the way, here's a word coined by a Canadian disc jockey for that feeling you get just before you sneeze. Anticipation. Hey, slang is just language with its sleeves rolled up. The actual medical term for sneezing is sternutation. Here's a suggestion from one expert for making a cell phone last longer. You can double the battery life of your cell phone by simply putting the darn thing down. Well, that's plain old rumble gumption, which is another word for common sense. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Improper posture can lead to low back pain, but exercise can alleviate some of the pain. Walking doesn't cause lumbar pain, but because you are doing repetitive motion, it can make it worse if your posture is incorrect. When you do not stand properly, the ligaments and tendons around your spine can become overworked and cause pain. Inflammation and arthritis surrounding those nerves can also cause pain in your lumbar area. Tight hamstrings and hip flexors can cause your posture to be distorted, and that can put pressure on your lower back. So be sure to keep those areas flexible with effective stretching. To alleviate low back pain, keep the muscles of your core strong. When you are walking, running, or doing any form of exercise, pull your belly button to your spine and keep your core muscles tight and engaged. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. And you're listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. And before I forget, I just want to uh, to mention the shooting that happened on the weekend. The station is in Texas. My producer, Ben, you are in Texas. And I'm sure that you guys are still reeling because it's so close to home. Give us a minute. Tell, tell us, Ben, how, how was it feeling as a, you know, as a veteran? Well... Yeah, it was definitely a surprise. We were watching a movie, and my phone didn't beep, but... And then to find out that it was uh, in San Antonio, which is like five hours away. Yeah, it must have been really so horrific. Just so horrific what's what's going on. That's another show. But I just wanted to mention that, and, and, you know, our prayers and thoughts are with the families and try to send them healing as much as we can. I'm sure they're still reeling themselves. Kim, we were, when we went to break, we were talking about race and what it was like to grow up in, 
you know, a segregated society and now a desegregated society. And are there like, are there still hard feelings on, you know, in South Africa? Do you, you know, do they still feel harbor so both ways? So to, to Ben and everyone in Texas, you know, our hearts are with you. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible experience for anyone to go through, whether it be personal or in your community, let alone in the world. We all touched, we all connected. Absolutely. Um, to answer you, Frankie, um, yes, I don't think the entire world simply goes through events or situations and then is fine. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are still a lot of challenges in South Africa. It's a beautiful, beautiful country. And the man on the ground gets on very well. You know, there's still mm-hmm. discrepancy, but it's not simply, it's so complex and so multi-layered. It's not simply about um, apartheid now. It's about a government who is taking advantage of power, taking advantage of people. And we need to get to an equilibrium where people have a voice and where rights are upheld right across. And that's what they're struggling with right now. Wow. So you're in Atlanta, which, you know, a very large black community. Yes. And I suspect a fairly racist one, too. You what know, are you finding out? What's very interesting being South African mm-hmm. is that we have found that South Africans has, have less issues around race than what we've seen in America. The mm-hmm. segregation here is, is way worse than what we understand. And I really do believe that if you haven't named it, you don't own it. Mm-hmm. And so it's managed to um, run under the radar for so long, and now it's all coming out. We're actually doing the book launch at the National Center for Civil and Human Rights, who are doing the most superb job around bringing this conversation to the table. And I think that this conversation in America really does need to be brought out to the open and be honest and authentic now. You know, I read that you had the um, that you were at that center, and that Wolfgang Puck was your chef for the evening. Was this? Did this happen the other a couple of days ago? No, it's happening on the 29th. Of oh, on the 29th. I got it wrong on your on your calendar on the website. Jared yes. Payonga, who's the director, who's also African, will be speaking, and he's truly dynamic. How exciting is that? Wow! Congratulations, Brent. Thank you. Thanks. You know, I wanted to, let, let's talk about freeing Freddie. There are concepts in this book. Um, and, and before I forget, Daniel Clark, you're immensely talented illustrator for the series. Like, let's mention him because he is, you know, amazing. And he's a South African-born artist and animator illustrator. So, yay for him. <laughs> truly wonderful. Yeah. Was he a friend or did you did you pick him out from? We picked him out from some of. Uh, his work that we came across um, in the media and through connecting with a with a, a firm that he was working with previously. He did a brilliant job. Really, really beautiful book. And, and the workbooks and the activity books, just incredible. What age group um, were you targeting? So initially, I wanted to write a story that could speak to all people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Freeing Freddie definitely does that because it's written in layers, in parables. Mm-hmm. So 
five-year-old children take away a powerful message from it, as well as adults and teenagers. And that is why we did the workbook and the activity book. So the workbook is for ages 12 and up. It's for teenagers and adults. And it's to integrate the incredibly important lessons that are in the story of Freeing Freddy the Dreamweaver. And the activity book is for ages 5 to 10 years old. So Freeing Freddy is an amazing tool for all people, and it opens a conversation up. And that was its intention, is to bring into awareness, into the consciousness of all people, things like how to let go of fear, what are your dreams in life, how do you go about creating them. Like you've got, you know, with these children, because I was okay, it really has a lot, like adults, you're going to learn a lot from this book. You really are. But there's self-awareness and affirmations and intention, tools of self-discovery, like meditation. Um, I know that you said, you know, five-year-olds are going to take away what they're going to take away. But were any of these concepts difficult for the children that you have met who've read the book, like younger children? Or when did they kind of go, oh, yeah, I get it? No, I found that because the concepts are really simple, mm-hmm. children really grasp them easily. And their minds are not yet conditioned in the way adults are. So they are more open to understanding these concepts. A lot of the concepts are innately there. So it's it's very normal for children to to grasp them. They they resonate or connect with it with a with a very easy way of intuitive understanding. Like you've got a visualization audio in your workbook. Um, I love that you have a brownie recipe in your activity book. <laughs> um, you know, you talk about love and compassion, which is something that I think today we really do need to teach children about compassion. Um, there's so much going on in the world, and, and we do get compassion fatigue, but we still need to keep that you know those doors and lines and uh, you know conversations going. Have you? Um, encountered the fatigue in the work that you do, either of you? You know, Frankie, it's very interesting when you say the fatigue. You know, I don't see it as that. I think that if you understand who you are in the world and that you understand that you're connected to everyone, then you feel for everyone. Yeah. More about empathy, understanding, and connection. And how do you get tired of that? Then you're basically saying you get getting fatigued of yourself really, you know, as, you know, it's a good way to put it, Kim. It's a really good way to put it. Yeah. You know, with one of my book launches, I had a very special man stand up and do the introduction. And he said, if a child in China is suffering, then so should you. Yeah. And the fact is that there is just so much that needs to be uplifted and brought light into the world. Brain says to me from his books, he always says, we've got to start people dreaming again. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all. We, we should want everyone to have a wonderful life because if they've got a wonderful life, then our life is better because they uplift the whole world that we actually live in. So, Brent, let me ask you, you're a child in a Syrian refugee camp. What would you say to them? Like, how can, I mean, 
we all want to help them. These are children. They deserve a beautiful life. They deserve to have every advantage that every other child has. And yeah, you know, their existence right now is horrific. And one of, one of, um, uh, the guests that I've had on my show, she went at Christmas time. She, she, you know, we all helped raise money so she could go and take gifts. And she never did get to the to the to the camps. Um, but they were sent to Egypt, and she met children over there who needed things, and and so it all worked out great for her. Um, and and you know the gift giving at Christmas. But um, how how do you what can you say to these children? Well, I think. We have to acknowledge, like you said, they are an extremely difficult situation. And it's always good to keep hope and faith because you never know when your situation is going to change. Mm -hmm. And with regards to this point, I'd like to address more the topic of what can people do to help them? What can yeah. they do to get involved? Um, when people are sometimes in a dire straight situation, it's not about the message that you can give them, but more about what action can you do to uplift their lives? What responsibility and role can you play in impacting your environment? Sometimes it may not be available or accessible for each person to help a person in a refugee camp. It might be in a different country Mm -hmm. or not in your direct environment. That's why it's important to, for, I try not to look at global issues on a whole as rather looking at subjective things and say, what can I do to improve my world directly? It might be helping one person. If you do have the capability to affect and uplift a whole camp, yes, that is truly a wonderful gift that that individual possesses. But every person has the ability to uplift their surroundings in their own way. And yeah. it's, it's an individual process about asking, what can I do uh, personally? And each person has different capabilities. So it's not a tailor-made solution. And not only that, added to what Brent is saying, each person has their own life purpose and passion. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've had so many people out of the corporate world come and say, oh, we love what you do. We want to do what you're doing. And I say to them, but you in the corporate world, I need you there because mm -hmm. you help me with fundraising or with skills or whatever. So yep. like Brent says, everyone has the ability to help the world be a better place. I love that. I love that. And we're going to go to a commercial break. Where are we at right now, Ben? I think about 30 seconds away? Yeah, okay. But 30 seconds away um, to going to another commercial break. But while we are on break, please go visit withlovefromfreddy.com or www.kimnormanddobrin.com. Go and visit these sites. Check them out while we're on our, on our little commercial. Don't go anywhere. We want you to come right back. And when we do, think about also, what you can do, what abilities you have to change the world. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. 
Stop. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, in ingenuity and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars and salons. Her mantra is be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Depression is very real and prevalent. It has been said that close to 20% of Americans are likely to suffer major depression at some time. The good news is that exercise helps ease depression and is one of the best ways to fight it. Working out releases endorphins and neurotransmitters that make you feel good. It reduces immune system chemicals that can worsen depression. Exercise also has many emotional and psychological benefits. Working out is a distraction that gets your mind off of negative thoughts and depressing feelings. By focusing on your workout, you can get out of that negative cycle and concentrate on your fitness. By accomplishing exercise goals, you can boost your self-confidence. Getting in shape can make you feel better about your appearance, and that helps too. If you are battling depression, you have even more of a reason to work out. Feeling good awaits you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Well, I hope you had a good time thinking about what you can do, uh, what abilities, special superhuman powers you have to change the world, because each of us does have that. And Brent, I think what you were saying is that since each of us have the ability to make a change or help somebody else, that even if it's in our own neighborhood, that that ripples out into the consciousness of the universe. Is that what you were saying? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. We live in a, in a world, planet Earth. Mm-hmm. That is, it's a unified field of consciousness. It's one earth, one planet. There are no borders by nature. If you buying a consumer good or a product and it affects the environment on one side of the earth, that mm-hmm. affects you wherever you are in the world. And that goes for any business you take part of, anything you partake in it completely ripples out and affects the whole world. So we should start by just being kind to those around us and gradually our impact will become greater and greater. So one of the things that I've you know, noticed a lot of, obviously, because in the media, 
um, we love to li- you know to watch the accident. We like the crisis. We like the you know all this negative stuff. And so, like the good radio, really, we really try to balance and say, hey, you know what? It's not all bad. Like it's not all bad out there. But books like Freddie, like um, I think the Tomorrow Trust, you've gotten fifty thousand books out to children right now. So let's talk about the impact that the books are having, the impact that Freddie is having on the world, in, in business, in the corporations, because you do events with, with corporations as well. Let's talk about, you know, all of that. Who wants to start? So um, I'll start. Okay. Um, very interestingly, you know, when Brent called me, he was actually doing his yoga teacher training in Bali, and he called me and he said, Mom, I've got a book that for Tomorrow Trust, and the idea was that he wanted for Tomorrow Trust to actually make money off this book, which it has. Tomorrow Trust has made approximately 600,000 Rand donated back wow, from nice. sales of the books that Brent has, has given us the beautiful joy and vehicle to do. So that's how this whole started. And then when we saw the impact, not only of the story, but how people related to this from any age, that you could read this to an adult and all of a sudden their inner child would come out and they'd go, yes, you know, I'm scared. I've got fear. And what are my dreams? Then we put together the activity book and the workbook. And the activity book is really fun. It's got stickers and, and games and crafts and everything. Because Brent's, one of his passions is that he believes that parents and adults have got a disconnect to children and youth. Mm-hmm. And this book and exercise actually helps bridge that and opens a conversation. So we do workshops for little ones right from the age of five all the way through to corporates, whether that be at PepsiCo or IQ Business or BBNT or wherever, and hugely successful because the conversation around fear doesn't exist. People don't like to talk about fear. It makes them feel vulnerable and fragile, and they feel that it's inappropriate. And through this way, we try to show people that fear is normal. It's a normal human behavior and belief system and understanding, but it's what you do with that. And how do you build your dreams? Building your dreams is very difficult if you're stuck in fear. Mm -hmm. You know, to take a risk takes a lot of courage and to live life in general takes a lot of courage and bravery. You know, life is not for the faint hearted. And yet we've got, we've got so many children and so many adults who are on medication just to cope with daily life or they have ulcers or anxiety. You know, in America, apparently one out of eight children have anxiety issues. Yeah. yeah. You know. So do their pets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it all filters. It all filters, and it just shows you how you know. In in your book, um, Brent, Mister Cotton said, it, "The truth of the universe: all things exist as one, and the only truth about us is our very being, and that we exist is that truth, not our labels, not our names or titles or anything that we do. We're all beings of light, and this is the truth that we are. We are all equal, and I love that. I mean, I love that you're teaching them that that their place in this world is not just." For them, it's they're connected to everybody. It's not an easy concept, really, but it is easy. Yes, exactly. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching these things to children because it's much harder to learn these valuable life lessons at an older age because mm-hmm. these things take practice. Um, 
having the understanding that dreams take time to materialize. And when I speak about dreams, I also mean things like we all dream of having peace in our lives, having peaceful family coexistence, Mm -hmm. having love and compassion. These are our inner dreams. I'm not talking about what society dictates to us. A dream can be anything, but it needs to come from within, from that place of passion and purpose within each person's heart. And in order for you to have peace, love, and compassion in your lives, we all need to have a sense that we are connected, that we are all equal, equally special and beautiful, Mm -hmm. and that we can honor and respect all people in life. Mm -hmm. And I can see how how the children would grasp this a lot quicker than the adults My, you know, I have a book as well, a couple books. And one is, is really a prescription for change for, and, and so adults come with barriers. They come with, you know, belief systems that, that are destructive to their well being. And so they would read this. And I'm wondering when you do talk to corporations or talk to adults, do you also come with, you know, a method to help break down their barrier so that they can hear this and understand how, to do it yes definitely that that is the process of the workshop that we engage with with the members of the corporation and i take them through a process that engages them in what are your fears how do you let go of them actually getting people to participate and while doing that getting people to open up share their dreams knowing that it's okay for people to express their dreams, express their fears in front of others, that it's completely normal. We need to be able to connect with each other in a way that is normal and a way that shows that it's okay to be vulnerable in all settings and that we're here to support each other. Uh, Mm -hmm. Humanity needs to support each other in all facets of life. We community beings we not we not an island as the yeah. I was really fortunate you know I had a dad who allowed his children to dream and in and I also allowed my children to dream and and one of those you know is is supporting your child in their dream when you know it's probably not going to happen anyway but you do it because it's what they think they want or what they want. Who knows? They may really want it. And I think that's really important. And when we have big dreams, and some people are really big dreamers, I've always been a big dreamer, um, who you hang out with is very important. And who you tell about your dream is important. Because the people with the fear are the dream slayers. Yes. And maybe it's I'll your parents. Yes, and to know that your dreams are always going to develop, evolve, and change. And if you go within and you begin to learn and understand yourself, then whatever dream, whatever goal you're setting, if it's designed to help develop your, your true self as well as to help your society around you, then the learning you'll gain from all those experiences even if your dream shifts or change, will carry you to the next goal or dream you set for yourself in your life. Kim, the idea of being socialized, we're all socialized and our children are socialized by, you know, parents, grandparents, school, society. 
um, it, it makes it difficult sometimes to be the real you because people have so many other expectations for you. What, what would you say to that? Um, Frankie, I think that's one of the biggest problems in our world is how do you be authentic? Yeah. How do you feel okay within your own skin in order to be that? You know, you spoke about being Jewish and mm-hmm. culture comes in an enormous package in all of our lives, whether you be Jewish um, or Christian or whatever you may be. Um, and Brent, for instance, by the time he chose to go into this realm of career, he had to stand up very strongly. And it was very hard for him because he was studying engineering and decided mm-hmm. he actually just cannot do this anymore. It doesn't mm-hmm. talk to his authentic self. And it took a lot of courage for him to leave university and change direction in career. Yeah. And I think that's what it all is. How authentic do we bring up our children with permission to be who they are? That's the question, as well as ourselves. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, a friend sent me a brilliant TED Talk yesterday because her, her, her daughter became her son. It was transgender and left her with this message and how it was so difficult for her as a parent to allow this authenticity of, their, of her child. And yet it was so beautiful, the, the lesson in it. Right. And it's something that we all need to learn. It's, exactly. you know, let people be authentic and be authentic ourselves right. and love ourselves for it. And it's and, all those masks that we yeah. are taught that, you know, the biggest gift that you can give yourself, if you are the same person, whether you are sitting with your children at home or by yourself or with your friends or even in a, in a professional situation, if that's the same person, you know you're winning. Yeah. When you have to change persona, that's when you have to question. And obviously, we've got the best role model, and that was Mandela. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter to him. He didn't have to wear a fancy suit. He was who he was wherever he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a beautiful human being. Beautiful. And he went, he went through, his obviously, his own challenges, you know. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You know, he had to find that place within him. And, you know, he went through trauma that we hope none of us have to ever go through. Oh, yeah. Just unbelievable. But what a human spirit and and what a lesson he left for the rest of the world. We are going to go to our last commercial break. And I feel a little sad because I just love hanging out with Brent and Kim. (laughs) Thank you. That's okay. You're going to get to hear more of them. Don't worry. So when we get back, um, we'll talk more about, I mean, there's so much to talk about, really. And we're talking about authenticity, learning about yourself, consciousness. Think about it while we're gone. We'll be right back. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. 
So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. This is the TogiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's marching Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. So fear, how would you like to get past your fear so that you can live the life you really want to live? You know, too often we do things for others, our belief systems, we don't always question our beliefs. And and it's funny that, you know, as a coach, when I work with people and you have them start to question what their belief system is, very often it's not even their own beliefs, they belong to somebody else. (laughs) So that's something for for us all to think about. And that's why Freeing Freddy, uh, The Dreamweaver, is so, it's such an important book because so many of us are held back by our fear. So, Brent, job well done. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I asked your mom on break if you were going to write another book, and she told me that you have one launching in January. Do you want to tell us a little bit about a (laughs) preload? So, yes, the... The next book is called Revealing Freddy, The Light Within, and it's all about unity and the gift that each person brings to the world and how to reveal that to ourselves and others. I so love that idea so much. This is such a great, you know, what gifts do we bring to the world? And I'm sure when you talk to people, they they don't think they have any gifts. And yet everybody has something. Yes, that is completely true. So did you um, interview a lot of people for your book or? Uh, Not directly, but uh, I've read so many other books and gained so much experience through travel and trying so many different things. And everything that you are and experience goes into your creative work. Um, Absolutely. So all the wonderful people I've met over the many years and all those influences has to come out in this creative expression. So your mom says, you know, you were in Bali doing yoga, teaching yoga, and you had this idea for this book. When were you in Bali? I think it was about four years, four or five years ago now. Okay. Very cool. My son was in Bali too, and and as a photographer, he went, and it's so interesting just to see how you know our children just end up in the same places in the world. It's pretty yeah. cool. Well, it's- Bali is an incredibly beautiful place, and the story of Freeing Freddy, the Dreamweaver, as people will see from the illustrations and the story itself, 
is deeply rooted and connected with nature. Mm-hmm. And Bali is one of those places that isn't highly developed and still gives people the opportunity to connect with the raw beauty and inspiration that is nature. I mean, nature's really some. You know, it's funny because you know you think about the future and how. Um, in, in you know one of Joni Mitchell's songs, they talk about you're going to have to visit a museum to see a tree, and even you know today kids see an animal, they go, "What is that?" They don't even they're not connected, and and so I wonder, you know, how important is nature to to the development of ourselves, of our consciousness? What what, what do you think? I think it's extremely important. Um, we cannot survive without the air that trees give us, mm-hmm. um, just having the awareness that every molecule of oxygen you breathe comes from Mother Earth. It comes from the trees. And it's important to recognize that, that when we know that our life is an essential part of the Earth and that the Earth is an essential part of us, mm-hmm. we will strive to engage with it in a much more healthy way. Um, we'll be much more aware and conscious of the, the things we consume, whether it be food or products and the way it affects the earth and the way we conduct business. Um, questioning ourselves, is the business we are part of, how does it affect the earth? How does it affect the people in the countries where we are sourcing our goods. Um, it's it's very important to see this concept of we as one people, as one people connected with the earth as a whole. I can't remember who said it, but somebody said the time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. I don't know <laughs> if you know that quote. But, you know, it's so interesting. You start the book. You start the book off with Freddie fills his lungs with air. He takes five big breaths so many of us are shallow breathers today is it because we're just so rushed we don't breathe like what is it the importance of him taking these breaths so taking deep breaths first of all creates present moment awareness Mm. and so it creates a place where you're not living in the past worried about things that have happened or living in the future, worried about the future. You're in the present moment, breathing, focusing on the breath that gives you life. And this is very grounding as well as frees you from things like anxiety. Mm -hmm. When you live your life with present moment awareness, you're completely peaceful. You have inner peace. And just the process of taking deep breaths, filling the diaphragm, helps you to let go of emotions that are stored in the abdomen. It relaxes the brain. And from there, you can function as a much more integrated and peaceful human being. So in, are you going to um, give Freddie any of your gifts in the next book? Well, I think of Freddie as not myself, but as a representative of every person. Um, Freddie could be a boy or a girl. Um, Freddie represents humanity and is not particular to me per se. Right. So, 
Um, I, I don't think I'll ever engage with the character in that way. And in books to come, I'm definitely going to be incorporating female characters because um, I want people to learn that it's essential that we understand each other and our differences as men, women, boys, and girls on this earth plane. I, I like that you that you know Freddie was aware that the trees gave him oxygen. I like that. I like that you know he uh, he had some awareness and knowledge of of you know his his environment. Let's say he didn't know everything, but he knew that. And I'd love to see you know as an energy healer, you 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 know put some of that into one of your books so that children get to understand what that's all about. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand energy and energy healing and how it can help you. Why, just give us a, a quick synopsis for those who don't know. Well, I think the big thing and most important for me was incorporating simple methods that help people in their lives through a story. And mm-hmm. it's fun. It's engaging. And it's simple, like stepping back, taking five deep breaths. Mm -hmm. This fills you with life force, fills you with relaxation. Just engaging with nature, giving people the awareness that their source of life, their source of energy comes from their natural surroundings. It comes from the trees. And this will give you joy. And when you have joy, you feel more passionate about life. And you can engage with your community and your job more effectively. So these are the simple and effective principles I wanted to bring through to children and adults in Freeing Freddy the Dreamweaver. Okay, I just want to reiterate that we have a book called Freeing Freddy the Dreamweaver. Then there's an amazing guide to realizing your dreams, and it's Free Freddy, and and it's... um, your workbook and, and in the workbook there are actions that you need to take and and you have to write down your fears like I fear that I'll never have enough money to support myself could be one I fear being alone could be another I fear failing my exams and another so parents and you know you can be writing down what you fear your children will have very different fears I don't know if they're going to fear about not having money but they might fear about a bully at school and it opens up all kinds of conversations that you can have with your kids uh, you know analyzing these things and and just all kinds of wonderful things close your eyes and picture yourself so it's it's learning to um to just start to meditate or learning to take yourself away and 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 tune in to who you are then there's another part and there's an activity book the ultimate activity book with stickers as as kim was saying um it's a lot of fun this is a beautiful fun series it's illustrated beautifully there's all kinds of things to do and it really i think one of the most you know important things is that it opens up conversation between people it helps people with self-awareness and consciousness and you know, it really helps you identify your place in the world and how important you are to everything that goes on. Yes. For me, dreaming is the first process of creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, before anything we create or invent in the world, whether it be a building, a business, it, it starts with a thought. It starts with the thought process. Mm-hmm. And then after the thought comes those actions. Mm-hmm. When it comes to fear and overcoming your fears that are standing in your way, 
you need to know exactly the fear that you're dealing with. Because if you don't know what it is you want to let go of, how can you even begin to let go of it? Right. And so this all comes down to being more aware of the self and more aware of the things that are in the way of your true self and the true freedom of your expression. And the books are available on Amazon so people all over the world can get them. And we love engaging with our community and people that are reading the books. So if people can follow us on Instagram with love from Freddie as well as Facebook, um, just to see what we're doing and hopefully we can inspire and answer any questions that people have if they want to connect with us. And, and some people say, you know, they go, oh, we're giving proceeds to charity. But you guys really are giving proceeds, you know, to, to Tomorrow Trust and, and to other organizations here in, in North America as well yeah, as South Africa. I think, I think that's really important for us. It's what we stand for. It's who we are. So in Atlanta, we've already done two workshops at Atlanta Children's Hospital here. Nice. Um, which we just so love. From five years old to 18-year-olds, Brent went and did a reading there. We did crafts with them. We did all of that. Uh, you know, so we are, when we say we're involved in community, we really are. And there's a page on our website, the With Love from Freddie website, that shows you our engagement in the community. And our Facebook page shows that constantly. And we, as Brent said, we love interaction. So please join our Facebook page with love from Freddie, and become our friend. And let's do this all together. We are out of time for the show. Kim, Brent, thank you so very much for being my guest today. So loved meeting you too. And all of you, we will be back again next week. Ben, thanks for producing the show today. Take care, everybody. They didn't stop. Stories of people who, when the odds were against them, turned defeat into victory. You've been listening to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. See you next time, and always remember... Don't, 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 don't stop.